The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. All right, everybody, before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, if you love the strategy of season-long fantasy sports and live for the short-term gratifications of DFS, then you have to try out weekly fantasy sports WFS on Owner's Box. Head on over to rotoballer.com backslash box and sign up today. Weekly Fantasy Sports is the best of daily and season long. It keeps you engaged through live drafting and new multi-week games. Owner's Box will also be paying out users who bring their friends on board. Watch the real money rewards pile up through their first ever three-tiered referral system. Add friends, create groups, and rank up to uh, up to elevate the trash talk and competition to the next level. But that's not it. Owner's Box will be matching your first time deposit of up to $500 for any depositors through January 4th. Just head on over to www.rotoballer.com backslash box and sign up today to claim your $500 bonus and join the new wave of weekly fantasy sports. Now, to this episode of Benched with Bubba. everybody to another episode of bench with bubba episode 346 we got two guests tonight to uh recap some fantasy news talk about the i'm gonna say i say it wrong every time the partners draft the team draft uh nfbc draft that maddie would put together talk some strategy with that and so much more but we'll start with the lady of the night you can find her on twitter at jenny butler 830 jenny how you doing I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Good. I'm looking forward to it. I've uh, we chatted a little before this, but I've been following you for a little while, and I've been hearing you on shows. I'm like, I need to get Jenny on the show. So then when I sent the message, uh, Rob was all excited. I'm like, okay, let's get Jenny on too because it'll be perfect. And speaking of that, you can find him on at on Twitter at Deadpool Hitter and the Pull Hitter Pod. Rob D Pietro, welcome back. Hey, Bubba, Jenny, how are you doing tonight? Thank you for having me back. This is great. I feel like um, it's my second time on your show. Jenny's been on my show twice, so and now you have us together, and we just did a tag team. So a lot of two, a lot of twos going on <laughs> right now. 
But thanks for having me, Bubba. I love the show. I love you. You're the best. You know, we always talk and um, yeah, you're the man. So I love being here with you. It's a great time. Now I'm looking forward to it. Jenny, since I, I, I probably butchered it, um, what was <laughs> what was the title of the league? Is it a partner league, a tag team league? What was it? It is the tag team okay. league. Yeah, yeah. So, it's, so it's like WWF. Good. Okay, yeah. that's what I was hoping for. Because well, some of the personalities in there was like WWF, so oh, it yeah. definitely fits in, like old school '80s and '90s WWF. <laughs> but um, before we get into all that, first, Ginny, just let everybody know that somehow doesn't know who you are. Like, what do you? You're an NPC player. A little bit about yourself. Yeah. So I kind of backed my way into this podcasting thing, but for the most part, I'm just a normal high stakes player. Um, I've been, I started playing in the NFBC. Well, I started playing in the basketball version of the NFBC around 2013 or 14. And then I started playing um, in a couple of uh, OCs and things like that in 15, 16. And then I got into the main event in 2017. I just wanted to kind of get away from the home league a little bit and see how I stack up against other people. And it was just so much fun. I've been out in Vegas every year for the main event and um, I'm hooked. So I get a little more degenerate every year. I love it. That's what, that's what we all are. That's why I named my little side project website Fantasy Degens because that's what we are. Like, we, but just it's, some people think it's a bad name, but it's true. It's what we are, so it's good. And uh, <laughs> I've, I've been enjoying uh, getting to know you on this. And I agree. It's like you, you dip your toe in the water, and then you want more. Then you want more. Then you want more. So we'll see where that goes. But uh, Rob, everybody knows who you are. But if you want to plug your stuff, go for it. <laughs> Oh, yes. You know, um, you can find me on Twitter at that pull hitter. Um, I do the I'm the host of the pull hitter podcast. Um, Yeah, we just uh, went I just went through my first bracket tournament bracket that uh, Chris at Baseball Pods is is holding. That was, you know, that was awesome. Um, Played uh, at uh, Fantasy and Frames. Real good guys. Um, Sucks we couldn't both advance. But um, um, it's, it's cool because I I was it really brought me into the industry last year, just like getting to know everyone through listening to them. So now getting to know everyone through talking to them on my own podcast or their own, it, it's fun and it's great. So yeah, just, uh, you know, doing some drafts, um, joining some main events as I did today. I'm going to New York and I'm drafting live. Uh, so I'm pretty excited. So I'm not too far away. It's about 40 miles. So um, yeah, that's uh, that's what I'm doing, Bubba. Looking forward to uh, hearing how that goes for both of you. Jenny's going to Vegas. Um, yes. Rob going to New York. It's going to be fun to hear not even just the drafting. Like you guys both said, I just want to go hang out with people. And that like just the story is about being able to do that because, you know, we didn't get first pitch Arizona, any of that kind of stuff. So it'll be fun to get those stories. But before we get into the tag team draft, let's cover a couple pieces of recent news. And some of it's, you know, serious. Some of it's not. But. You know, the Mariners, we, they know the, the, acquisition, the accusations that were said by their former um, piece of the front office there. But Jared Klinick, he's already spoken out about how he's getting screwed over, basically. And ever since then, I've heard on a lot of shows, people are like hyped to actually pick him because they think he's going to come up sooner now. We'll start with you, Jenny. Are you interested in taking the chance on Jared Klinick in like these high stakes drafts? No, but it's not doesn't have anything to do with his particular situation. I just don't really draft rookies. Um, I don't like to stash anyone if I can help it. Um, I try to have a full bench at all times, but it's an interesting situation because, you know, if you're ever going to do it, we've never really had this these assurances that somebody's going to come up at least by the end of April before. So it's an interesting scenario that 
is tempting. Maybe maybe I'll get in on it in a in a league, you know, with a deeper bench, you know, a best ball or something like that. But I don't generally stash rookies. Yeah, what about you, Rob? He's going around pick two twenty right now. He's gone as high as one ninety two in the month of February. So, uh, what say you on this one? I have zero, like you know, through through the uh, draft champions, um, the drafted whole format on NFBC. I have zero shares of him. Um, passing at him, like I've been passing on him every opportunity I have to. And I know our good friend that draft champion pod, Zach Roto. He's a big. Big fan, you know, he's pretty much grabbing him in every draft I see, and which is fine, like, uh, because I, I do feel like, you know, you will get your Tatis call, type call ups and your Peter Londo type call ups. Um, but my experience in the last year of playing, you know, the, the higher stakes leagues, I'm not going that route. Um, so, you know, keep a league, dynasty league, sure, but high stakes league, um, draft champions where, you know, because that's the thing, right? Like, guys, like, and he, he can get called up, but does he, does he, if he doesn't play well, that, you know, is he going to go back down? Right. So mm-hmm. he's got to come up, play well, and then give enough, uh, you know, time and to get, you know, to start tallying up stats if he comes up in June or whatever. And like Jenny said, I want, I want my full bench. Um, I learned that when we prepped our draft and I asked her, just a, it was a simple one of the bullet points, you know, mm-hmm. what do you feel about prospects? I don't draft them. That, mm-hmm. You know, I was like, okay, cool. So I feel the same way. Yeah, no, that's exactly how I am. It's like there's times to take risk in drafts, and then this is a different type of risk to me because you mentioned what if he gets called up and comes starts out slow. What if he starts out slow in the minors? And right. then they have an excuse to be like, hey, he needs another month or two. Now now you're in a, a big hole. So it's one of those is if you really like him, maybe take the chance and fab later on, but I probably won't be drafting him. It's tough because you need those bench spots, and it's just one of those deals, and you never know what the manager's going to do. They have a lot of options if, if yeah. that, something goes wrong. Let's go to the New York Yankees. Aaron Hicks is a guy that I seem to draft yearly and pay the price because he's injured yearly. But um, when he's on the field, it's pretty awesome. And that, that's, that's the tough part. He's, he's pretty pretty solid. And he came out and said he actually feels 100% finally from TJ surgery. Last year, he was still kind of feeling the effects. He's going around pick 285 right now, and he hits in the middle of that Yankees lineup. Rob, does he have uh, any interest in a guy like Aaron Hicks? Um, I don't, I don't, I was, I, I was aboard the Hicks train a couple of years ago when I was feeling that resurgence, but I just don't feel the, um, the, you know, saying that he could hit 30, he'd only hit 27. That was his high. And just this whole situation, I think where teams are going to be, you know, cycling through players and resting guys and making sure everyone stays healthy, help, um, and, and, a guy with an injury past, I don't believe, just now all of a sudden gets more at bat than ever. Um, so I have zero desire to try to get on on to um, Aaron Hicks. What about you, Jenny? I'll probably draft him uh, a couple places. I generally try to spread my risk around, so I'll get him in a couple places. You know, just in case he breaks out while well, he's maybe already broken out. I don't know how you qualify that, but you know, I mean, if he says he wants to hit thirty, like. Okay, cool. Like everybody should want to hit at least thirty. Exactly. <laughs> I hope he wants to hit thirty. <laughs> um, but you know, just as recently as December, he was saying that his arm was still bothering him. So he's all of a sudden perfectly good to go now in February. And last year, he said he had to modify his swing because his arm was bothering him. So I would like to see him get back into his normal rhythm before I'd be willing to to put too much into him. Yeah, totally understandable. Let's have the fun game real quick. I'll go Jimmy first and Rob. 
Mm. Who plays more games for the Yankees, Hicks, Stanton, or Judge? I'm going to go Judge. I guess I'm going to go Hicks, but that's just mostly because of the other two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's like, yeah, how low do you want to go? It's yeah. a crazy it's a crazy predicament they have, but it's uh, I guess it's a good one. It's a wealth of uh, luxury, I guess. But um, let's go to the Reds, and Ginny, being the Reds fan, might uh, have a, a stronger opinion than others on this mm-hmm. one way or the mm-hmm. other. So I'm really looking forward to this because – Everyone's loves Nick Senzel as a prospect, but it's been like we've been waiting and waiting. So I can only imagine what the Reds fans are thinking. Well, he's supposedly healthy now. And David Bell comes out and says he's going to play every day, which is kind of curious because you have Shogo and you have Winker. So there's only so many. It's not softball. There's not floor outfielders. So it gets it gets curious. What's your thoughts on this? Like, what are you hearing about uh, Nick Senzel? I mean, he's if he they want to start him out as a starting center fielder. Great. I don't have a lot of confidence that he's going to make it very long before he gets hurt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he had such a promising season in 2019. It just looked so good in the shorter sample size that it was. But, you know, when you look at the StatCast page for that year, it's just solid blue. And I just, I'm, I'm too scared. I, I'll probably, like I said with Hicks, get a share or two. I think I've already gotten one just because that's kind of how it fell. But I'm... I'm not really that interested. I'm more of a, I'm investing more for sure in Winker and um, Shogo Akiyama. Okay. Good to hear. What about you, Rob? You um, interested in Nick Senzel? He's going to pick 279 right now. Yeah. um, It's an interesting ADP. Um, I think that uh, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's one of those fine lines I think with him because I don't believe in the health at all. And it's just, you know, it's just constantly, I think right now for draft champions, I'm just, trying to kill him with volume and he's never been there. So now I got to try to shift my brain to a shorter season. And do I trust the 530 plate appearance, you know, projections I see on some, on some projections? I don't know, you know, and even if you kind of adjust, you know, try to play with his plate appearances, um, it's still hard for me to get on board. Um, I think they might start, you know, trying some crazy stuff like, um, you know, maybe try Suarez at short. I heard that. Um, I know I heard that um, Aquino doesn't have any more options, so he's going to be there. So um, it's interesting. It just seems like way too many guys, too, on top of the injury risk. So, again, I'm just going back to the thing with Hicks. It's like I think that guys are going to be overmanaged this year, and I just don't see, you know, the banking on his, you know, playing more than 140 145 games, you know, definitely not. Yeah, the projections have Senzel for like a potential 2020 type yes. deal, which right. is like you look at that going, oh, that looks pretty nice. But um, yeah, health and playing time is interesting. Uh, Ginny, you mentioned Shogo. He's going to pick 359, and you got Winker at 211. So Winker's going about 60 picks ahead of Senzel. Winker even came out today and he, he kind of got offended and said, I'm not a DH, I'm an outfielder. Like <laughs> he, he made a point wow. to people. So like what you said, you'd rather take your chances on them. Like how aggressive would you be? Cause it still feels like there's going to be some sort of platoon going on. Well, I'm not going to be as aggressive on Shogo as I had been before this, I think. Cause I, I was envisioning that there could be a platoon and that Shogo might kind of take over when Senzel either struggles or gets hurt. But Winker, I think in general, all of them, Senzel included, you know, if they are playing well, they'll play. There's a pretty good chance that not all four of them are going to be 
healthy and playing well all at the same time after the start of the season. So, you know, I think it'll work itself out. And I have confidence in Winker's skills. And I like Shogo for where he's going. I think that he can provide some value for where he's going. Yeah, he's an OBP machine. So that's intriguing. The way he finished the, the short season was pretty pretty good to see. So we'll see how that goes. I'd love to see Winker get every day at bats. We know the one constant, and that's Casty. Big old Casty. Yes. Oh, I love Unfortunately, it. in the outfield, yes, but yeah, yeah, right. I can't wait. Um, and our buddy Derek Rose, he says he's with Jenny. He's on the Shogo train. I know he is because he drafts in best ball, and he wants that OBP. So I've uh, we've established that one. Uh, Rob Kevin Cash of the Tampa Bay Rays. It's you know we hear the best shape of your life everywhere we turn right now. But Austin Meadows is apparently looking great after last year's just dud. He had COVID. A lot of things weren't going well. But uh, apparently he's just, like, knocking the socks off everybody. And he's going around pick 95, which, you know, a year or so ago was much higher than that. Are you in on Austin Meadows this year? I'm, like, for where he's going, I'm starting to give him more and more of a look. Um, And it's interesting on Ron Chandler's Babs. Oh. And we lost Rob, Mr. Technical Difficulties. (laughs) So while we're waiting for him to come back, Jenny, where do you stand on Austin Meadows? I'm kind of agreeing with where he was going. Yeah, I like Austin Meadows, and I was going to give Rob some shit just now because I, throughout the tag team draft, I was saying, everyone, you know, get to that point, you know, we could do take Meadows, take Meadows. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm all aboard. So I liked him the last couple years. He broke out in 2019, and and I was all in on him last year. And I think he just had a really unfortunate situation last year between COVID. He had an oblique strain. You know, it just all piled on, and and I've liked him for a while as a five, four to five category player. And, you know, he's going at, you know, what the seven, eight turn and a 15 teamer. Sign me up. Yeah, no, that's kind of where I'm going. I used to never, I didn't want him like last year when he was going so high around about 35, 40. I'm like, you know, there's so much more I want at that point in time, like a second pitcher or something. But uh, now it's much more appealing. Like you're saying, Rob, would you like to finish uh, what you were, you, you were saying about Austin Meadows? Oh, yeah. Um, I was going to say in um, my Ron Chandler's uh, bomb, uh, Babs ranking, he, he he did a bucket with some guys um, that's quite interesting, like guys going way ahead of him. Um, and that power average combo could be pretty solid for you. And I think it, 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 it seems like with the health, too, he was just really passive last year. He was a lot of called strikeouts, um, a lot of not swinging. So, um, you know, I I know I was weary about him last year at his price because he his skills seemed to get like a little um they I don't know they weren't as um as strong as I thought they should be for a surface stats and so coming into um last year's draft I, I I wasn't really drafting him at his price but I think he's going at a spot right now where it could be pretty pretty profitable for the team. Yeah, I'm with you. I had a question for you, Rob. Um, and I love HQ. I love Babs. I love everything about it. How much do they pay you? Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. I know. I'm kidding. Proof, proof is in the pudding, you know? I know. I'm kidding. I, just, I love it. <laughs> um, I think you, you, it seems like you can't go more than five minutes without uh, HQ quotes somewhere along the lines. It's it's beautiful. They, it's they a really simple you. system. It made me just like uh, like um, able to just do a lot more in like – in-depth in work, um, you know, by 
identifying certain skills. And I just immediately say, all right, I'm going to concentrate on these like 80, 100 guys every year and, you know, at that point of the year. And I don't know, I, it made my process a lot tighter. Yeah, between Babs and the Mayberry method, I think it, it makes fantasy so much easier for people if they want to just accept it. Like, it's, it's pretty cool stuff. Uh, Jenny, um, the Mets manager, Mel Rojas, is saying that Edwin Diaz should get most mm. of the saves. And as 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 messy as the – and that's why Rob's going second here because he's the Mets fan. But um, <laughs> as, as messy as the closing landscape is already, Edwin was kind of penciled in as like maybe that fifth or sixth closer coming off the board. He felt pretty good about where things were going. They have a lot of options if things go wrong. So, where do you like, are you still thinking he's worth the fifth or sixth closer? Or are you concerned now? I think I'll still take him there. I mean, I think if you honestly ask almost any manager right now, they'll say our guy is pretty much the closer. And then there's always going to be situations where other guys come in to close. So, I don't think it's that concerning. I'm a little bit weary of Diaz in general. Then I there's not really a great reason for it other than he's lost his job before. Mm -hmm. So I'm a little bit scared in that respect, but I think he still belongs in that group. I mean, I know that Rob was high on him when we were getting ready for our tag team draft. So I know where he's going. (laughs) All right, Mr. New York Met. uh, What's your thoughts on this whole, he should get all the saves. Oh man. It's, you know, it's some line, you know, mm-hmm. and it's a very interesting line. And, but that's, he should, right? I mean, it's, on, yeah, in theory, you know, it's, 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 it's not may, the lie. The statement's not a lie. And maybe he's saying <laughs> right. the Mets are going to win so many games. He can't physically pitch all the same situations. Right. Right. He can't get 56. <laughs> he can't get in the fifties again, but maybe 35. Um, yeah, no, I love him. I, you know, I think, um, I'm not afraid to take him as, I don't know, second, third closer off the board. Um, I just, the skills are just so off the charts. Uh, I know, I, I think last year it kind of got blown out of context a little bit. Like he, he gave up one home, one game winning homer and the next game it was, a you know, a tying homer. But then after that, he was just pretty lights out. I mean, from in August, September, he had 23 innings pitch with, uh, you know, microscopic whips and ERAs and 17.5 K9. And he was so good that they put Lugo back to starter. Um, (laughs) And I think the big thing too, like what told me a lot of the story was that um, I know they brought in May, but you know, May's got seven career saves. So I think he's just there to, you know, like, you know, sprinkle it in, like get some shots when Diaz can't go or if there's a week where he just can't find um, his control, but I think it's going to be there. Um, and yeah, I, I think the telltale too is the fact that they are not afraid to spend money. They've shown they were in on Bauer and they were quote unquote rumored to be in with Melanson in hands, right? And they could have had him if they wanted him for 10 mil. Like, especially the Rosenthal. I thought after the non signing of Bauer, they were going to try to make a splash again. And I feel like they could have brought him on. But um, reading in between the lines, like Rosenthal was happy with the fact that the A's were going to let him close. So to me, that tells me, right, in the discussions with the Mets, they said, hey, you know, you're not going to be the guy. And that maybe didn't like why Hand and him didn't go to New York even to just be the second guy. So I'm I'm going with that context, uh, you know, strong. Um, I'm pretty going to – I'm going to probably die in that hill this year, but I'm, I'm willing to. 
And yeah, Rob, read them between the tea leaves there. That's uh, <laughs> that that's pretty bold. Uh, second or third off the board. Like you, uh, if you want him, he's going to be yours then. If he, <laughs> I'm going to tell you that much right well, now. That's, and too, like I was listening to some, you know, some awesome bullpen pods recently too. Uh, Greg Jewett, you know, I've heard him on so many different pods, and he's, you know, he. And I think um, Eno also brought up like the. Um, they both mentioned like the contract thing but yeah and and the contracting the closer signing big contract things and it's just a thing it just happened there was a majority of those first years aren't really great but um so for hendrix um you know there's some concern there and hater um i you know i love hater too but i think it's one of those picks where you feel strong about your guy and you just throw adp aside and say you know um what the how far of the range of outcomes can it be that you know, Diaz has more saves than both of them. You know, it's it, it's not so unreasonable. Yeah, I, I don't hate it at all. I love, I love the dedication to your guy. That's beautiful. <laughs> when, he, right. when he got taken right before us in the fifth round of the tag team, that was one of the biggest reactions I got out of Rob. There's a big <laughs> F-drom bomb dropped right there. Well, that's why, that's why I would have loved, like, your guys' live feed. There's a few others, but Rob keeps it relatively clean on his show. <laughs> but I know if you're a Jersey slash New Yorker, like with that <laughs> accent, there's no way the F bomb doesn't just flow off the tongue. Like that's just part of the vocabulary. You're yeah. a former construction worker and stuff or what? Like, yes. right. Yeah. So right. yeah, 100%. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that's uh, like that's a, like all those boxes. <laughs> like That's I, I was, we were talking about it in a chat the other day. It's like, when I'm off the podcast, I, I could be a sailor in two seconds. So yeah. it's really not a complicated <laughs> thing. Like, I try to Me keep too. this. I try to keep it as PC as possible, but right. if, if it flies, it flies. Uh, but exactly. um, all right, so let's get into this. You, you kind of hinted at it, Jenny, the tag team draft. This <laughs> is a, it's a fun concept. Maddie would put it together. I believe it was 15 teams, correct? Yeah. 15 tag teams, so 30 people involved, $500 entry, pretty mm-hmm. cool concept. It already sounds like more people want it next year, so you might have a few more leagues, which will be cool. Um, Jenny, have you ever partnered with someone before? No, I've never done it before. It was interesting. I just thought, you know, I want to try it. I've never done it before. And, you know, I just want to see what it's like to to pick along with somebody else. I, I don't have that experience. So, no, it, it was an interesting new way to go. But thankfully, Rob and I, we didn't know it going in necessarily, but we had a lot of the same opinions. So, that helped a lot. We weren't that fighting helped. or anything. Yeah. That helped. That helps a ton because that, that's, yeah. one thing I'm, that's one thing I'm scared of about partnering is, I'm not like I can be an asshole if I need to be like, I don't plan on it, but it just kind of happens. And so it's, uh, I, I like my way sometimes and I'm getting trouble for that. But how did you end up being partnered with this guy? I asked him if he wanted a partner. I saw Matt put the, uh, t- tweet out and I thought, well, who would I want to partner with? And so I thought about Rob and I asked him if he wanted to do it. And at first he said, I've got too many leagues. And then like five minutes later in the DM, he's like, fuck it, let's do it. Yeah. yeah. So. Rob, Rob wasn't going to do a main event too. So we're here now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we know how that goes. Yeah. Um, Rob, is this your first partnership? Yeah. I mean, in, in the NFBC, 100%. And pretty much for uh, most, even home leagues, ever, anything. Yeah. Um, and. It was it was interesting. It was good, and um, I think it went waste. The draft went as uh, very smooth for us because of, like we put in a good like solid you know phone call the prior day, and we ran through um, 
a whole bunch of things and we got on zoom earlier before the draft an hour and you know really hit on i think the most important points you know and we didn't go i felt like what was really important is like we kind of did like the first 10 15 rounds like you know where we were safe to go and then we threw some like later names um that we wanted to try to get and um even though we didn't get a a couple of guys we tied to uh i felt like um we didn't try to plan too much just just enough i I felt like, um, you know, because I think there's a point where you can overdo, you know, and just um, maybe scan over the first ten rounds. We should really just be doing the majority of the of the of the of the you know pre-draft in those rounds. So it was awesome. Well, yeah. Well, a big time uh, NFC player, Mr. Fish. He, he, says he, have, he said you guys have a pretty good team, so uh, you could run with that. Um, Jenny, um, Rob can't hear you right now. What concerns did you have? <laughs> teaming up with like with anybody in general like what concerns going into it did you think like is going to make this complicated i just was afraid that the draft was going to be chaotic i mean not only was it my first team draft it was also my first fast draft of the season so i was just really getting worried that we were going to the clock was going to be ticking we were going to be going oh my god what do we do what do we do and just clicking a button and panic and then regretting it two minutes later and that really didn't happen and i think that our preparation ahead of time helped a lot because we went through, like Rob said, the first 10 or 15 rounds. But I think that one of the things that we learned from it was, you know, we would get down to round, you know, seven, eight, nine and say, oh, well, we can take this here. Or, oh, I'm really not liking how what the, how this is going down here. Maybe we should change what we just thought we were going to do up in round four or five, like, you know, catchers and closers and things like that. It was like, you know, oh, let's not take a catcher too early. Oh, well, wait, maybe, you know, when we start looking down further, yeah, maybe we should go go back and revisit what we thought in the earlier rounds. So I think that the planning really helped a lot. It did. It did. It definitely helped a lot. And like um, Jenny was mentioning, uh, it's funny because like when I was talking to some people, I I even asked Clay Link and James Anderson on my show, like, you know, how they do it. And so I, I was trying to, you know, gauge information. I know Dave, Dave, Dave McDonald and he, you know, and his partner, Tony, and he always talks about it on his podcast a lot. So I was trying to, you know, pick like what, you know, what, what I thought would make a good, you know, tag team partner. But then like, honestly, when you sit down and you talk about it, like it really, it really flowed so naturally. Like we, and it's so crazy because Jenny like does like an SGP style evaluation. And um, I, you know, I, I learned myself this year on SGP and I like it, but, you know, I still use my bad, but it's interesting how we landed on the same kind of guys using mm-hmm. like different evaluation systems. So it was pretty cool to see how it could work. So, so, so well. And so um, just, just the fact that Jenny was on a lot of the guys that I was on, it felt, you know, and out on the same guys I was out. It was pretty cool. It was, um, it was rather awesome. So for the two of you kind of teaming up, obviously, and seeming like you're on the same page, which is awesome. Like, Jenny, are you usually a pitcher early person or do you wait? Um, did you guys did you guys deviate at all from your normal game plan or did you guys kind of do the same thing as usual? No, we ended up pretty much doing what I would normally do. So I've been an early pitching drafter for several years now, and I'm actually kind of bummed that it seems like everybody else is jumping on the train now. I wasn't always like a pocket aces person, but, you know, two out of the first three, at worst, two out of the first four, something like that. The only thing that, you know, was a little bit off from what I would normally do is like Luis Robert. But I think Mm -hmm. that was true for both of us. We kind of were thinking, you know, we were looking at it and thinking, let's just do it. Let's just like take a risk and do it. And, 
you know, I don't think it was totally comfortable for either one of us, but we were on the same page about it. So that made it a lot easier. Yeah. I think what, yeah, I think what made me uncomfortable is that like, we didn't expect them to be there. So when Mm -hmm. we went through our, like, you know, our bullet point at each round, we didn't write him down. You know, mm-hmm. I thought I thought he was going to be gone, hundred um, percent. And when he was there, that's what I think the hesitation in my brain was like. Um, you, you know, I think we were discussing Stalin Marte. You know, like mm-hmm. like like your uh, you know patented quote, Bubba, like the steady Eddie, right? You know, yeah. the guys who just built my my base of my teams for years. But um, I, you know, the clock was ticking, and we was like, let's just go for this home run. Yeah. Like we have this great start and. Speaking of the clock was ticking, I know Jenny mentioned, you know, how we didn't even have late late picks. There was some questionable, really questionable clock issues. <laughs> they, had to, they had to back out about five or six picks. Everyone was saying in the comments, can we lagging, mention, lagging, can we, can lagging. We, I'm can like, we well, mention whose team by chance? Uh, I know they backed out of Siege. They backed out of Vogel, yeah. I think. Um, mm-hmm. and I think they backed out, uh, I forget the other team, but it happened way too often. And I was like, come <laughs> on, man, don't get your pick in under five, you know, put it in on, like right at 40. Like, come on, you prepped for the draft. You should know who you want. Oh, that's great. I think some teams were having a lot harder time choosing than we were mm-hmm. for sure. Well, I that, mean, that- I listened to the SP streamer. I think it was yeah him and Matt. and uh, and I listened to Govier talk on the live stream about it and there were some times that there were some other teams that were choosing right up till the end. Well, that that's that's part of why I wanted to talk to you guys about it because I could see like I could be get I could get along perfectly like Scott Jensen is the nicest human being over me and he knows he will have trouble drafting with someone else because right. he's like stuck in his way where I kind of feel the same way. So I could see like going, hey, we got thirty seconds. We're gonna talk about this some more. And then all of a sudden, you're like, oh crap! Like, <laughs> like we're yeah. in trouble now. Like, push the button. So um, that's that's one of the things that I guess you guys lucked out on a big way. Did you guys at we all? Had, was, was there a point in the draft where you guys came close to? There was to not, some. You know, there was you know. uh, probably the first, a few. The, the first big one was like Low Kane and like Victor Reyes. Um, Who won? Who won? I, I talked him into Low Kane. Jenny, I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jenny, well, you know, and uh, you know. Um, Listen, like, again, it was one of the first instances where, um, you know, it was like, it was a couple of things. And we were debating quickly in that, you know, 40 seconds, you know, time frame that we had to really want to get a pick in. And and it was crazy how, like, when the pressure's there and um, everything went so well. And that's the thing. Everything was going smooth. So there's no, like, frame of indexes where, like, this could be a panic pick or anything. And we talked it out, like, and, you know, um and it was great, you know. I, I I was trying to go for the fact that Reyes um, wouldn't be affected by the playing time, by you know the recent signings of uh, Hazara Grossman and and um, Jenny. Was like, you know, I think Will King's just going to come back and do it, you know. And and it was like one guy just wasn't eyeing, you know, at all all year. But uh, at the mo- like at the point where we just like needed one of those solid hit tool guides with some steals, um, you know, I was like, you know what this won't be the worst pick and I like it, you know? So you just go with it, you know, like uh, it's, it, it wasn't a, like, if it was a guy, I felt like, wow, this is no chance I would pick it. Maybe I would have pushed it even harder, but um, Locaine was um, in the moment. It made sense. Jenny pitched it perfectly. And I was like, okay, I'm in, let's do it. I think it helped that neither of us were 
too strong-willed and we also right. <laughs> I think we're both willing to let the other person like if I had said okay and he just absolutely vetoed it I would have just moved on it's not mm-hmm. like I wasn't so strong about it that I was going to die on that hill but it's interesting you know now that you're you sh- we're sharing a team you know there's a few picks in every draft that are going to be like the one I pushed for the one he pushed for and now it's going to be like oh my gosh the season goes on blew it, and his guy's <laughs> the one that you know kicked ass and you know that's going to be interesting I'm making an on-air promise that I will never say we should have picked that guy. I'm not that. I'm not going to be that yeah. guy. Yeah, I, don't I see couldn't Rob, do that because you know. I won't remember unless yeah. <laughs> what our choices were. Yeah. So you only you only have thirty other leagues. It's going to be tough yeah. to figure that one out. So, um, Jenny, obviously, it sounds like things went pretty flawless for the most part, pretty smooth. I would say. Is there anything you would do differently, like to make it? It doesn't sound like you could do a whole lot more. But was there anything differently you would do now that you've done one draft with a partner for the next time? Yeah. Um. Not so much with the partner situation. I think we did pretty well with that. You know, when I just look back at our team, you know, I think we ended up, you know, we took the pocket aces right off the bat. We took Corbin as our third, which we both felt good about, but is a risk. And then we didn't get a fourth until the 20th round. And I think looking back on it, I might have wanted to dip back in a little sooner, you know, just to get a little more stability there. But, you know, with the top two guys that we have, I feel good about, you know, I feel good about our closers and, you know, we're just, I think we just need to be, you know, on top of the starting pitcher free agents and jump on them when we think we find a good one. Well, speak, speaking of that, then when you're in season managing, who's in charge of fab? We haven't talked about it yet. <laughs> yeah, you we just, haven't discussed you guys are just it. Yet. Ba- just basking in the glory of your team right now. Well, <laughs> I like the first time I had Jenny on my podcast. She, you know, I still have it in my head where she's like she carries around like a sheet of of of, of people, and she and she writes down when she listens to podcasts, or whatever, and she writes this play down, and she just you know knows for fab like who she wants. So um, I feel like with that plus just like yeah, just you know we'll throw some guys into the into the watch. Um, column and um you know hopefully we'll we'll set a time where we're like all right you know what do we need to do what do we need to drop like yeah how can we add and we'll look at that you know that watch column and just try to make the best bids from there i think i think it's funny because like having the same likes in the draft i feel like we won't have um um problems with the players but more like what should like what the amount you know <laughs> like yeah. is it three or 54 <laughs> yeah you know, i think that'll be the biggest um like um you know problem with that and i think that that's a, i think that that's a little bit of a learning curve too i mean like right. i know that from my experiences in the main event i've gotten a little better every year at judging what a guy should go for so, you know, the way I'm kind of envisioning it is we talk about everything, you know, the free agents and the lineup setting, but maybe one of us is more in charge as far as like the deadline goes of getting right. the free agent picks in. And maybe one of us is in charge of getting the starting lineup in just to kind of have somebody who's, you know, really on top of it. And you're not saying, oh, I thought you were going to do it this week or something like that and missing out somehow. Starting yeah, lineups? What do you mean? Shame. I thought this was best ball. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're you're in charge of setting lineups, right? <laughs> Another oh. thing we haven't talked about. No, nope. <laughs> we should have did a best ball draft. Jenny logs in after the first pitch on Monday and goes, "Rob, there's three guys that are injured in our roster. What are we doing right now?" <laughs> uh, oh, sorry, I was taking a nap. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think Jenny uh, touched on something real, real quick, Bob, but like when she was saying when we didn't go back to pitching for our fourth start in pitching, and we went, um, it was I think it was round 14 when um, it was either like Hicks or a pitcher, and we just felt really strong on, on Jordan Hicks. Um, um, we both really liked him at that spot, so and we were aggressive in trying to get him. And I think we could have, like, if we would have went like uh, Yarbrough or like maybe another starter there, that could have been a little stronger. But um, I think I, I think we're a little higher than the field on Corbin this year. Um, mm-hmm. I just feel like uh, in you know those fifty-five innings, I'm not discounting what he did the five ninety before that. So um, you know, I, I like it. I don't think like. Um, I think we, you know, we we went a little risky with Odorizzi and Boyd, but we, we just felt like it was a if if, if Odorizzi gets signed, it'd be solid, and if Matt Boyd, you know, just finds it a little bit, we could use the K upside. But um, um, we miscalculated kind of the end game three hundred area. So guys like Dylan Cease and Albert Azale, where we were trying to get, who in DC is like three fifty ish, three forty five, um, they went in like two ninety. 300. So I think that 40 pick push, we didn't anticipate it being that yeah. high. So that's kind of like two guys we were trying to target. And it's um, why we, you know, reached up a little bit to get a Trevor Rogers type, but because we like missed out on those two high upside arms we were thinking about getting. So if I was thinking that was the biggest surprise in the draft, like Jenny was the yeah. end game where we were like, okay, these, these numbers are very different, you know? So at one point, it just became throw it out and just take whoever you felt like was good there that you wanted. Cool. Yeah, that, that sounds like uh, the Battle of the Pods we did, Rob. We're just like ADP was just way off the board. <laughs> it was just bananas what was going on in that draft. But, um, yeah, I was just looking at your roster. I'm a big – like Fish mentioned, I would – I'm drafting 14th in TGFBI, and I, I wouldn't mind walking away with that when you were for 13th. So um, that's that's a especially the start, the, the pocket aces – there's a picture I have in mind, and it seems like Rob takes him before me every time. And you guys got him tonight, <laughs> or in that league. Right. And if he falls to 14, I'm going to be the happiest man on the planet. So right. um, I don't yeah. think he'll be there, but man, if he does, I will thank my entire league. Um, One other yeah. thing, though, if I could just say real quick that we did on purpose was we put the ends of the draft in as our primary KDS choices Perfect. because we thought that drafting as a team, it would be a lot easier to be yeah. on the ends because then you have a longer time to discuss your picks and you can make your picks, you know, as a twofer. And yeah. I think that it really did help. We had a nice long time to discuss what we wanted to do next, especially if things like weren't going the way we thought they were going to go. It helps a lot, I think. That's a great point. That's one thing I was wondering because, yeah, if you're in the middle, you're kind of watching runs and you have to panic. Do we want to jump on the run? And I've said forever when people talk about KDS is I prefer one of the ends because if anything, especially like the the quote-unquote the bigger the leagues you get into where you kind of you got to get your guys the whole saying, if you're on the ends, it kind of forces you to go get your guys. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's like 25 picks later before you get or whatever, and you're going to be screwed anyways. So I think that's a good point. And like you said, is you guys could sit there and talk, make your two picks or whatever kind of game plan. And then you have so long to be like, okay, well, we need to hit this on our team or this on our team and kind of start circling four or five guys, like like a queue basically. Mm-hmm. But it's just between you guys, which is – that makes a ton of sense. It's a good point to make. Um, Jenny, do you, when you're doing this an individual draft, where do you prefer your KDS? You don't have to give all your secrets away, obviously, but where do you prefer it to be? I generally stay towards the middle and when I'm drafting by myself, 
Um, I don't really have a strong preference though. I'll kind of, I, I like to mix it up, you know, like I, you know, I'll draft, I'm drafting um, two slow drafts starting on Monday and I have the first pick in one and the seventh pick in the other. And I think that's nice to have. I like to have a variety, you know, there's, this may be my only chance to get one of the top, like to really have like my choice of guy and I really don't want to be in the first pick when it gets to the big money leagues. So I like to mix it up early on so I can get a variety of guys. What about you, Rob? Um, you know what? I've been going um, – my KDS has mostly been at that you know, 11 to 13 range that I was speaking of um, that we landed on two um, in the tag team um, and just been targeting the pocket aces from there. Um, there's, I feel like it's a good group of guys that you can get um, instead of trying to, you know, hope for the, the second pitcher in the middle of the second round. Um, and and I've been preferring to go in the front of the draft too. Um, and I'll go Cole or DeGrom up top. And, uh, you know, um, it was, it's a middle where I know like uh, a lot of people have the – and which is cool. It's very sound also. It's like, you know, whoever falls for me isn't the – isn't – isn't a bad pick. It's all safe picks you can get, but sometimes too, I'm just like, well, I don't want to be left with whoever, you know, I want to make my pick. Um, so I go for that first, you know, first three. Um, I just entered a, a slow draft cut line last night and I got the first pick and I took Tatis, but um, Giolito and Nola made it back to me. And I was like, wow. Oh, 10, my team goodness. Leads. 10 team oh, leagues. Yeah, leagues. And, and just, so oh. that's the, you know, that's the thing. It was such a big difference. And then in my brain, you know, like I, I was like DMing Phil. I'm like, is this good? Like, did I pick them too early? <laughs> is it you know, good because, I got these guys at two Yeah, three? <laughs> yeah. And he's like, wow, they lasted there. I'm like, yeah. And, you know, ADP showed that they could land there. And I just was tr- – it's hard coming out of 15-team drafting holds and then going into the cut line ADP is like – I'm like, really? I'm like – but then, yeah, you just have to, you know, do that thing in your head where it's like, oh, it's 10 guys and it's just totally different. Um, so, yeah, but – you know, I've been liking the end. Um, but then, you know, we, um, Bubba, we started the, uh, the turf league, um, here in the, uh, Eastern tri-state area here to, you know, trying to get in the tradition of the barf league and the nerf league. So we started the turf league and I, I, I got, I drew the second, um, KDS and Matt Williams, uh, from turn two, he, he, he did it manually. So I had the, the second KDS spot and the first guy took the, the eighth pick and I said, give me number one. Like, <laughs> that's it. And it TGFBI, I'm right in the middle. So that's the one that's going to test how, yeah. you know, like that's going to be the different one for me. That's going to be odd one. So um, I got to get cracking on how I'm going to attack that because well, the, I, haven't, the, I haven't dealt with that yet. The funny thing is the one that I'm picking first in on Monday is the, the Glarf, the, the our, right. our entry into that whole world. And <laughs> I actually got the eighth, KDS choice and I got the first pick like the the first pick was my eighth choice and I got the first pick I've never seen that before it was crazy I think I heard on the Friday Rotowire show with Clay Link and Todd Zola that the KDS for tout draft and hold that starts Monday was kind of like what you just said Jenny James Anderson's got the number one pick but I think he was the eighth or ninth person to pick because like everybody else did not want the top pick Yep. So and there, I see both arguments for it. Uh, I, I, I get, like you said, when you're in the, the main and stuff, you don't want to be up top. I, I get both sides of it. Um, couple Bubba, things. That, yeah. Sorry to interrupt you. Congratulations, man, on getting into Uh-oh. that war. 
That's yeah. freaking awesome, man. That's really cool. So I'm sorry to interrupt you, but no. I didn't want to lose that train of thought. Um, okay. That's really cool, man. That's like, Thank you. it's Absolutely. such a big thing. And to be a part of it, uh, that's that's awesome, man. I'm really proud of you, brother. Yeah. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah, didn't expect it. Let me put it that way. But um, <laughs> something that, uh, Jen, a couple things Jenny mentioned that I think is fun is one thing I like to talk about a lot with some other people on shows they do is that in the end, fantasy baseball is supposed to be fun. So what Jenny said, when she wants like the number one pick, she wants a chance to have like the Cole or the DeGrom or the Acuna or whatever. Because when you're watching baseball, because in the end, we're still fans. So when you're watching right. baseball all year and you see, you know, Acuna went deep three times in a game or, you know, DeGrom went nine and struck out 14, you want a piece of that. Like mm-hmm. that's that's kind of part of it. So that's one thing that, that's fun is kind of mixing and matching, especially when you do a bunch of leagues. And the second thing is I want to get Jenny's thought on it because she mentioned – when she's doing like the main and whatnot, she usually prefers to be kind of in the middle. And I mentioned I like to be on the ends because I like to be able to, it forces me to get my, my guys. But I think when you're on a live draft and we kind of talked about it earlier, I think before we even started recording, I think if you're in the middle, it kind of keeps you focused more. I think Mm -hmm. like when I, when we've done barf and we're at a bar to begin with and the drinks are flowing, when you're at the end, you just start kind of wandering (laughs) off and doing this because there's no time limit and there's just, and then all of a sudden you come back and you see there's been 14 picks made. And you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. And um, at least in the middle, you, you kind of have to stay. And like you're, you're, in, you're in tune here. Does that make sense at all, Jenny, for you? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's also just that, you know, when you're sitting there on the ends, you're just watching all these great players get ticked off yeah. before it gets back to you. And it just becomes so painful where at least I feel like if I'm in the middle, I had a shot at all of them if I really had wanted them. And when it's, it's when you're on the ends, you're, you know, unless you're really willing to jump somebody quite a bit, sometimes you're just at the mercy of taking what comes to you. And I don't like feeling like that. So I, I want to be, I want to have as much control over my own destiny as possible. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Um, going back to your guys' team, which I thought, like I said, I think it's a very, very solid team, obviously. Um, Jenny, where do you think is your guys' biggest weakness? Um, I, I'm guessing it's going to be, like I said, with the starting pitching, we have some risky guys. I mean, obviously we are super solid up top. I like our closers, but you know, it's David, you know, David Peterson's a risk. Go to a risk. Boyd is a risk. So I think that they're going to have to hit, you know, for us to do well. And if not, we're going to have to move on and we're going to have to be on top of the free agents. But other than that, you know, I, I think we did well. We had we got a lot of position flexibility. We have, you know, we are covered, you know, to be able to move guys around a lot. And I really like our our hitters. I like our like we got two strong catchers. We got we we were the ones who jumped in on JT Real Muto like right after we learned about his broken hand, but we got him in the fourth, and I think that's fine. And you know, we got Austin Nola right after that, and I always like having two strong catchers. So um I'm pretty happy with it. I think we just need to be on top of it, you know, when free agents come around. That was the funny thing is that we we went in trying to do the strategy, not so much that Team 14 did. Um, the, they double tap closers in round th- uh, three and four with Hendricks and Hader. But we yep, wanted, Jeff Zimmerman. Yeah, we wanted to do Hader or Hendricks. Um, I could I couldn't get Janet to take. Edwin Diaz that early, but like where we took <laughs> Real Muto, uh, uh, <laughs> but like one of them there. And then maybe on the way back, you know, if Diaz landed back to us, we were going to do that or take Presley at that point. Um, Cause we were just really that high on Presley too. So, um, but then Real Muto was just there, you know, after Jeff took both the closers was like, all right, well that strategy 
went out the window, but we pivoted real quick and real seamlessly. I think one, because JT was there and we were both willing to, you know, absorb anything with the thumb just for the, you know, um, the benefit of having him over the other catches. So, and and it was just there and we're like, okay, well that didn't happen, but this happened. So Mm -hmm. I think that was good that we didn't lose, um, our focus there, but we went in trying to do that. We wanted two top tier closers. Um, and you know, um, yeah, I got foiled real quick. Yeah. I think it was so helpful that we were both like, like I said, that we're both on the same page because, you know, there are people who would never take JT or, you know, that early. And luckily we're both, on board with that. And when it came up and we opportunity, you know, presented itself, we were both like, yeah, let's do it. And, you know, we didn't have to fight about it, which was nice. Right. Yeah, he, he wouldn't have made it to round five for you. So like, no yeah, chance. that's, the, that's yeah. the whole thing is you got to take them there. Or you're not getting them at all. So that makes sense. Um, do you guys, you, with, with the closer chaos we talked about earlier and what Jeff Zimmerman did, that's like as aggressive as you can be on it. But you mentioned how you want to leave with two good closers if you can. How aggressive are you guys usually? Like, I obviously kind of maybe ditched it a little bit there because it kind of got foiled, like you said. But is it usually a philosophy of yours right now? You want to be aggressive at it? Yeah, I usually am. I don't always take one of the very, very top ones, but I usually try to get a pretty solid guy, you know, that second tier of guys. And, you know, I, I've always pushed back against the, you know, don't pay for save strategy only because you're going to pay for them. You know, if it's in fab or your waiver wire or wherever, you know, you're, you're going to pay eventually. And I really don't like paying for closers in fab. If I don't have to, they go for way too much. You have to jump on them before, you know, for sure that they have the role. Sometimes, you know, a guy will get one save on a Saturday and you have to decide on Sunday, whether you're in or out. And, you know, whether you're in or out for 200 bucks of your fab and, you know, I just don't like to be on that train. So I try to keep my closing, you know, the closers as safe as I possibly can. And we we had Presley ranked fifth yeah. ahead of Karinchak and Hand, who went ahead of where we took Presley. Um, actually, you know, they went after we took Presley, but we we felt that strong about him, like that he was a top five closer. And I guess. The one way we could have double tapped there was in the round we took Castellanos in the fifth round with Dupresley there and Rosenthal in the next round, which we considered as well. But we just both love Castellanos too a mm-hmm. lot. So, that, you know, again, that was another quick decision point that we didn't argue about. It was, we both loved him there. And we're like, All right, we'll get the closer in the next round. And then we also, like I said, we we feel pretty strong on Hicks. We, we discussed Hicks or Greg Holland at that point and – we didn't want to go with the old boring guy, and we just went with what we feel like a guy who's going to pitch the ninth inning because of the fact that he's not a like a two inning guy like Hayegos can be. So um, we we both were, felt strong that he's going to be the guy in the ninth, no doubt, and and return a pretty great profit at that point. Yeah, and you know one of the advantages of being close to the end is that we were able to wait on. We knew we could probably wait on Presley because right after us, you know, Jeff Zimmerman had just double tap closers, so we right. were pretty sure that he right. wasn't going to go for it. And so we Good were, point. you know, we took a chance that you know the team, Govier on the end wasn't going to do it. But you know, you you get that advantage when you're close to the end. Right. No, I like that quite a bit. When looking at the draft board, and you guys obviously were in the room, Jenny, who do you think had the best draft outside of you guys? Um, I really like Maddie Davis's draft. Uh, let's see. I also like Justin and Shelley's draft. The fact that they were able to get Soto first, which I love him. Mm-hmm. And then Gallon and Flaherty made it back to them on the turn was a pretty sweet deal. 
And they ended up getting, you know, some really nice picks later on. I definitely don't think they, you know, I think that they were proactive and, and took what they wanted. So I really like their draft. Um, Rob, you have any? I'm looking. What about you, Rob? Oh, man. It was, You're it too nice. Don't be too nice, Rob. Go for it. You can, you can pick people. I, I feel like um, I really like what Nate Markham and um, pa- um, Aaron Pags did. They just like a ba- a nice balanced team. Um, you know, S- Siege picked a DFS team. Um, yeah. a, a ton of risk. Um, you know, like yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what he uh, does. Yeah, I no, fine. Uh, you know, and there's nothing yeah. wrong. Like at some I, point I in the draft, I can't stomach that in the draft. I can't. no, no, I, <laughs> it wouldn't I work mean, for me. Yeah, hey. no. Right, <laughs> you know, it's it's not there's no there's not wrong with like inheriting some risk, but you know, for me, it's just too much, you know, including like the Darren Williams, like yeah. you know, round ten, and and that's not just you know, not against him drafting him. It's not it's not against everyone drafting that early off of twenty seven innings, um, in the major leagues. But um, uh, Zach Zach too Zach, uh, I love the way I've been involved a lot draft with Zach Waxman, um, and you know. He's another uh, high upside guy um, where he gets in trouble with rostering a little too much risk every now and then. Um, but you know, uh, Dave and Tony they they had an interesting route toward pitching. It's a it's a really solid staff. They you know they they filled it out with more like volume approach um, versus like you know guys with high high K upside. Um, you know they went with good ratios and don't talk but, about Zach Plesak like that. Come on. No, no, I'm, I'm not talking about Zach. Know, he I'm probably joking. has one of the highest case. <laughs> uh, he got one of the lowest case behind, even out of that little bunch. But no, uh, um, Mio and Matt Williams, they did a good job. I felt like the way they started off the draft with Bieber, Harper, Merrifield, Lynn, that's like kind of my draft. Like, I feel like if I don't go pocket aces style, like and Diaz, that's, um, that was a great oh. – Everyone did pretty good. We were uh, going to take Merrifield in the third there when they took yeah, him, and that's right. how we ended up with Luis Robert because we were we were going to hope it, we assumed that Merrifield would make it to us. Right, I'm right. loving I'm loving all the wit love this year because like in recent years people just hate on him and I just love getting him where we do. But you actually have to pay for him this year. It's, when uh, I was at the live main event draft in 2018, I everybody you know after it's over everybody walks around and looks at all everybody else's draft boards and stuff. And I had somebody come up to me who I had just, he had just introduced himself. I didn't really know him. And he walked up to me and I had drafted Merrifield right after his little breakout. And a lot of people were not on board. And, you know, he said, Oh honey, you should have known better than that. Oh my gosh. And and then, you know, he was in my league and I ended up finishing second in that league and 30th overall with that team. And so the next, uh, the next year, last year, 2019, I guess, when I saw him in Vegas, I was like, How's that team? How did you like that team there that I drafted? You should, have, you should have said, "Oh, honey, do you mind if I sit here?" Oh, but, yeah, um, exactly. Oh, that'd have been so good. like. See, that's that's the a hole in me. I just I remember <laughs> those, I remember those things. I have a yeah yeah. But but um, yeah, I can't I can't stand people like that. Um, but everyone um, had a really good draft, Bob. It's crazy. Well, that's good. Like there's you know there like, a lot of good teams. Yeah, yeah, it was a sharp Davis, room. And then I think Luka, having two Fish, two heads like, in every team was right. You know there was. Like I said, it was really only two builds that I kind of felt like, okay, this is like you're shooting for it, you know, and you know that's fine if you want to go that route, but um, but everyone else I thought, thought went like real solid approach of of you know high upside and and risk, so it was, good. Well, let, it was a good me, room to be in. Let me ask you this: There's always when you're in a room like that where it's really sharp and you're thinking, okay, these guys are going to take my guys and so on and so forth, and then you have like those two teams that you know are just going so off the cuff. 
how does that make you like, do you feel like you need to reach more or you're like, okay, cool. They're no. not going to take my guys or yeah. it, it, it's almost like their team can be still very good. I'm not downplaying their team, but it almost feels like it's a free pass because you're like, okay, they're just going to just do their thing over here. And now it's like 13 of us drafting on the same like queue. <laughs> well, I was telling you before we started recording that I was in the league with the rogue drafter yeah. in 2019. And that was, I mean, that ended up being a 14 team league and we ended up having uh, I think four teams that were really high on the overall, including Scott Jensad's team. I didn't have a great team on that season, but like it was, he was just taking guys just out of nowhere and you just even, didn't even have to worry about what he was going to do. So mostly I like it. If people don't want the same guys that I want, fantastic. And I felt like too, like, honestly, um, I think we were really in tune to what Jeff was doing right after us, Jeff and mm-hmm. Fred Denke, because they were right after, you know, like, and, and we felt like, you know, their 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 roster was getting filled in a different way, so it was most important to determine like who to pick in front of him to see if they came back to us. But honestly, we once we picked, it was like who's in the next queue. Like we didn't watch who everyone was picking. To be honest, right. like we were entering our guys to cross them off, but we weren't really like roster watching. We were, you know. Um, and I feel like it's another thing about being on the ends. Like, I don't like a big queue. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like sometimes when I put too many people in the queue, I'm like, it gets overburdened. And I felt like we did a good job on like, after every pick, we said, who, you know, we just reloaded instead of like having so many after we pick, we really, right. Jenny, like, I felt like every time after we picked, we had either like one or two people max left in the queue. Like Mm -hmm. we always got our guy. We never just tossed a bunch of guys in there and it was just, okay, who are we reloading on? And we talk about it. We throw, we throw guys in there and then we go back and talk about our team. Like we weren't really like, you know, roster hounding during the draft. Yeah. And part of the prep that we did, you know, when we looked at those first 10 rounds, we kind of made ourselves a little cue for each round. You know, Mm -hmm. I, when, after we talked, I kind of put it together in a table and sent it to Rob and was like, here, I think this is what we talked about. And, you know, for each, I, I grouped them together and picked, you know, two picks together and sort of said at this turn, we're looking at, you know, these five hitters, these five pitchers, that kind of thing. And, you know, so we kind of had a little prearranged cue that way. Mm-hmm. Nice. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how that keeps playing out because you guys are seem so like in tune together. So organized together. I just know in the chaos of a 162 game <laughs> season, it, it, Let's all have so many leagues. Like We're it's gonna mortal get mortal enemies by the time this is over. And that's not what I mean. I, I think you guys, are too, you guys are very nice people, so I don't see that happening. But I mean, like, there's gonna be a week or something where, say, it's like Fabapalooza a couple of years ago, when there's like five guys that come up. That's a conversation I'd love to sit in the in the back and watch. Like, how do you guys approach going after those people with your Fab? So mm-hmm. that's gonna be very entertaining. Yeah, we'll see. Um, so before we we wrap up the partner the tag team section of all this because I'm just I'm just I'm just intrigued by the whole process. Um, what's your kind of final thoughts on the team and where do you? I guess we've kind of already talked about where you're going to go from here, but how do you, how do you think it's going to plan out for you, Jenny? Um, I think it's going to be pretty smooth. I mean, I I think the one thing I learned and it was kind of by accident is that boy, if I'm on a team with somebody, I really want it to be somebody who drafts the way that I do because. I don't want to fight about it. You know, I don't yeah. want to, you know, I don't want to fight about something like taking early closers and then I lose the fight and then we're spending all this fab on closers and I'm just frustrated all year. You know, I don't want to deal with that. So, you know, I think I've learned that the two of us work together really well and that's, you just have to have that. I mean, I can't imagine it would just be so much more stressful and it would be fun if you didn't get along. So 
you know, I think that, you know, talking it all out and, you know, being willing to listen to the other person and be willing to, you know, talk, be talked into their point of view is, is key. What about you, Rob? Yeah. I mean, listen, fantasy pros says we're going to win. So oh, no, right. you got the, you got the <laughs> fantasy got the, pros curse. You got the fantasy pros like, curse. A grade, number one rank. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. You guys might as well start a new draft. Start a new draft. Jeff had DM'd us in the morning, right, with the uh, with yeah. the picture of that, Jenny, with the yeah. with the finger. Like, it was funny. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, you know, um, I feel good. I think we got some good balance. You know, I think, like Jenny mentioned, like, we're going to have to – if the pitching doesn't pan out on the back end, we're going to have to really just be in tune with – that and make sure um and and that's the thing i think we and and we talked about it too like matt boyd like you know and that's why we picked um like a guy like Nicholas and brent Suter, who i think like we both felt they're gonna get like a lot of middle innings especially with the brewers like really not adding on uh like i said 100 innings so we felt like a guy that came is gonna come in and eat up a lot of innings especially early in the season and so we're like let's get these middle reliever types who you know if we don't want to start matt boyd in week one but he looks great you know like we can fill it in with some good ratios and hopefully you know he you know he could write the ship and then we can play him when he doesn't hurt our but um i really like the balance that we got i think we're going to be in good shape to compete i think you know i think we'll be there in the running like on um I think the only thing we're standing our way is some catastrophic fabbing or, or just, you know, like Patrick Corbin doesn't um, give us our third, you know, our, our really good third anchor that we need um, for pitching. But I like the power. I like the average. Uh, I love the hit tool. Stolen bases. I think we're good all across. We're not like the best in anything, but I think we're good all across. That can go a long ways. Like I'm, I'm one of the people that's torn on Corbin as well. I think I talked about it like a three straight podcast, just, trying to get everybody's opinion on it because it, it tweaks me. Um, the last question on this, Jenny, doing this with Rob, and you don't have to say with Rob for the future, but do you see yourself wanting to do more tag team drafts in the future? Yeah, I think so. I think it was a really interesting experience. You know, one of the reasons, you know, that I wanted to draft with Rob is because I knew that he used Babs and I've, we actually are kind of complimenting each other that I'm traditionally been doing SGP and I'm trying to get my, you know, learn more about Babs and he's the opposite of me. I've been using Babs and trying to get into SGP. And so I was really interested to hear, you know, I said to him going in, like, I want to hear everything that you've got on where, what Babs says about where our team is. And so I think that it's just a really cool way to like get an in and to, and seeing how somebody else drafts. I mean, you can listen to tons of people on podcasts and stuff, Yep. But you never really know what they're thinking until you get in the draft room. So I think it's really interesting to see, get somebody else's point of view. What about you, Rob? Do you see yourself doing this again sometime? Um, I yeah, I have a I have a small. He's already doing thing. it again. He's cheating That's on true. Already. That's true. And te- I have a, but but, I have but, a, but but that person won't be there on draft day. I'm talking about true. the whole process. Yeah. No, I would do. Yeah, I, I would do the whole process again with Jenny, and you know. But someone like Phil that I know on a good level that we trust each other too. Like we don't scream at each other all day at all. Like when we discussed, you know, player evaluations, like me and Jenny do. So I would say, yeah, we'll do it again. I'd be very selective about it. And maybe SP streamer too, Mike. I think I team up mm-hmm. with Mike because we have a, a same a same eye yep. for talent too, and we're on the same level. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's good. I think it's um it gives you like a fresh set of another set of eyes, like like Jenny said. And yeah, and it was cool. Like Jenny mentioned, the whole Babs and SGP thing, and it's pretty crazy because we just landed on a lot of the same plays that um, both systems like. So it was sort of a revelation in that way. It's like, oh, like, and just got me deeper into like 
in learning about SGP is like, you know, how are we landing on these same players? Like, and so it's pretty cool to get into that and learn more and see things from Jenny's um, side. And it, yeah, like I said, it was just great that we had so many similar opinions and, and, and likes and dislikes. So it was, I would do it again. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready to do, I'm ready to do another draft again. Let's do yeah. it, Jenny. That's what that, that, I'll that's tell you the- what. If, if, if Brent Suter bombs, then we're through. I'm out. <laughs> Damn it. Your last pick. I love it. That's uh, <laughs> that's the way we roll. But uh, if anybody's curious what SGP is, because we all know what it is, I did a podcast with Phil DeSoe last year, and Rob's done a few with Phil, so he explains it to you very well. The robot will teach you everything you need to know about SGP way better than I know I can. And the Jenny, process. Jenny, the process yeah, is yeah. where I learned right. it. Yeah, right. that's a great book. Yeah, Toby uses it all the time, too, right. when we that's, talk. So yeah, two, two of the better players you know, and then Jenny also. So three really good players all use SGP plus many more. So Well, that's the thing, you know, right, Bubba? Like, I think, and I mentioned it's something that um, we talked about on when I last time I came on this pod with, with the New Year's Eve and the resolution. One of the resolutions I gave you was that I wanted to learn that valuation system because um, I, I know that what I'm doing is not going to be the end all like of me being the best it can be. So I want to learn. And, uh, you know, like you said, yeah, Phil, okay. Phil, Toby, Jenny, like, and you know, Steve Weimer, you hear like, and then hmm, Jeff and like, it was like, you know, yeah. okay. So something's happening here. So let me yeah. just see what the approach is. Let me see how it, how, how that evaluates players. And yeah, yeah you just, you just add it to your two belts. Like, okay. So this, this is another thing I know now. Um, and I, it was cool. It was, um, it's awesome. Good to hear. Um, with this group here, the three of us, we've been drafting pretty much since November, December, I would say. I'm pretty confident in that. Um, so we've seen the fluctuations in ADP. Uh, Ginny, how are you approaching your as you're heading into March to the big drafts? The changes in ADP, are you like starting to fade guys now that you got earlier at good values? Are you just kind of rolling with the the changes in the good or the bad? Like, How do you approach – we see it yearly. So how do you approach the changes in ADP? Yeah, I mean, I think what we're seeing is is pretty predictable. You know, every year as you start to get closer to March and, and things start to get clearer, you see, you know, the, the good starting pitchers get pushed up, the top closers get pushed up, you know, the guys who are getting a lot of, you know, sleeper and rookie buzz get pushed up. And, you know, all that's predictable. So ideally, you get some of those guys early on, and then you can lay off a little bit when it gets closer to the start of the season. But even so, you know, if I like those guys, you know, even if the guys are getting pushed up, I'm not afraid to take them because, you know, if you take them early, that means that other guys are falling. So, you know, you, if you take the ones that you want, leave the ones that you don't, and then round up all the guys that are falling, the safe, boring, older guys later, and, you know, you just make it work. You, I'm, I'm a big believer in, you know, you have to go with, what's being given to you. So, you know, if pitchers are going early, I'm willing to take a pitcher early because that's where you, that's the price of getting a good pitcher. And that's just what it is. You know, I can't go to the grocery store and say, I only want to pay 50 cents for this gallon of milk. They don't, you know, that's just not how it works. You're not leaving. Price is what it is. So, you know, if I want them, I'll take them. And I think that it gives you some good opportunities later. Are you one of the, so you do believe in going pitching or like you said, you'll, you'll go with the flow and that's kind of how I am. But you're seeing there's always somebody that has to be like, no, I'm going to be different from the mm-hmm. crew. I can't stomach that. Do you see yourself ever doing that? That just seems so uncomfortable to walk into a, a draft. I saw someone do it today. Mm-hmm, and I just, I I don't want to mention the names because it might be rude, but it was like the 11th round was their first pitcher. And I'm like, no. I just can't. I, 
I want to go in with my plan and try to execute it as best I can while still, you know, being flexible to the draft room. I'm not going to change what I'm doing just because of what I see other people doing. You know, it, it's a great idea to zig when other people zag, but it is hard to make it work. And I don't have, I don't have the bandwidth to try and like piece that. So you'd have to just piece it together perfectly. And I don't, I don't feel like putting in that kind of effort into trying to figure out exactly how to do it properly. Yeah, the draft is a puzzle as it is. When you start doing that, it's a Rubik's Cube. So that gets mm-hmm. very complicated. Uh, Rob, what are you doing with the changes in ADP? Oh, you know what? It's funny because I just, I just pulled up um, our good friend Ryan Bloomfield. You know, he has his bloom board. Oh, he did put that out today, his bloom board today. He just yes. has his little risers and fall. And pulling it up, I noticed, you know, perfect because I could – you know, say three guys that we just, you know, drafted just from this board. So one of them was Jock Peterson. Um, you know, he, he went from 339 in January to 282 in February. Uh, but it was one guy that me and Jenny were real aggressive on. We we thought, I mean, not super aggressive. We got him at the end of the 19th round. So um, right after Dubon, Bubba. Um, well done. <laughs> well done. <laughs> um, four lefties to start the season, by the way, if, if, if anyone wants a schedule tip. Um, but um, so – we were aggressive with Jock and, and we felt comfortable like with that rise. We we knew that it was a bat that we wanted. It made sense. We needed like some real big thumps. Um and and two guys who who, who fell, um actually sorry, uh another riser was um uh, Marcus Simeon, um, which actually we even jumped uh way ahead of you know um I, I like that. Yeah, yeah. We we just we knew like um it was even to the point where like we weren't even concerned if Swanson like went. We wanted him, you know, in that in that at that turn. And um and a guy who fell, right? So Randall Gritchuk, um, January ADP two oh one, February two forty seven. We got him at three seventeen. Yeah, and it's hard to pass up at that point. It's hard to pass <laughs> up because we were just like the skills are off the charts, right? And the situation is good. So okay, fine. Like um if 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 it's not all the time at bat, but still part time, you know, he he's our you know, our reserve outfielder, you know, um to sub in or fifth outfielder, fine. Like, you know, we'll we'll play that percentage that um trust the bat, trust the skills and um yeah, so it's interesting. Um, I'm definitely not like like Jenny said. Um, if you feel comfortable in your evaluation, just just go. Like you know, don't don't fight the rise. You know, and that's another thing with the with the um early pitching. You know, like and I've heard you know people debate with Toby too on it. You know, like mm-hmm. if and it it's funny because the arguments like they do the forced zag right, so they force themselves to you know so and and they knock. They knock people who pick pitchers one two for saying you're walking in with a lock strategy, right? So that's the thing. They're saying, oh, that's 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 a disadvantage for you, you know. But at the same time, now you're coming in now with a predetermined plan. So you know, like you just did what you said it's not good to do, and you're doing it. You're saying I'm going to go batter batter to go against me, and now you're not being flexible either. So you know who got played. You know, I don't know. Like if that's the way you feel like you like it, and you know, then you just do it. You have to be flexible in draft or you're screwed. That's right. that's, that's right. plain and simple. Hundred percent. And 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 we were we were there was there was um a couple of possibilities that we noted that we we said okay they this would be have to be the ideal way for it to happen batter first 
it's still, even when we listed all the possibilities, our stomachs felt better with pitcher pitcher. Um, and I just think, um, you know, there's a big gap of, of pitchers and that's why we didn't know when to go back into it. You know, like, and we went back in with Corbin cause there's just, you don't know when to go back in, <laughs> you know, and that's why it's good to get those top two and, you know, in our opinion, with instead of to just like run off, you know, guys with low cape and eyes or you know low low possible innings, um, we felt like we have two guys who might lead the league in innings pitched, and that's that does a lot, you know. You mentioned, um, and either of you can take this question. You mentioned the uh, the schedule a second ago, the four lefties thing, and I've heard it get talked about more and more the last couple of years, where people are thinking the last few picks we're going to play the schedule game because you want to work the fab, you can drop them later, so on and so forth. How much do you really pay attention to that in the draft, or do you all of a sudden go, wait a minute, I'd rather have this guy, even though this other guy's schedule looks pretty good right now? We talked about it. We both kind of looked at the schedule before we had our, our pre-draft meeting, and I I made a, a list of pitchers with you know with good matchups in the first couple of weeks and things like that. It's something that I'm trying to do more of. Um, I had not I hadn't even considered it probably before last year, and then last year I don't think I got anybody like that, but. I, I want to do it partly because of the ease in dropping them. One of the problems that I have, I know, is that, you know, you take the last, you know, six rounds or so, you take this, these upside plays or these guys that you really want and you want on your team, and then it comes time to drop somebody and you just can't bear to drop them because you can't, you can't stomach the fact that they might break out on somebody else's team. So I think it helps because you can make, you know, you draft Martin Perez gets a couple of matchups against Baltimore the first couple of weeks and you have no problem dropping him. Yep. So I think that I'm going to try to do that more this year. I like it. What about you, Robbie? Are you someone that focuses on that? We, you know what? We, I've learned that you, you can utilize it. And, and so here's the thing, right? Obviously we are a month out. So yep. there's risk in even trying to project if things sure. are going to start off, like they're going to start off. Right. But at that point when it, it never became a guy like, you know, like we mentioned, Dubon at the end of the draft too, like we just targeted Flores also for a multi-position and figured he's going to start off against those lefties too. Like, you know, and I know they added some pieces where he might not play all the time, but it's, it's not like a guy we weren't considering, you know, it's like, it never became a guy out of the blue where we say, Hey, look at this schedule uh, matchup, let's draft this dud and hope he does well. Um, (laughs) You know, um, but I think it's something that I will, you know, try to take, more um uh try to take advantage of it especially when the season gets closer i feel like it could be your yeah. first you know it could be your first dream and that's what i learned playing in that main event and my first main event was that that first week was um a first dream for a lot of players even for first two weeks you know um again even with the craziness of the schedule um you know you can you can really take advantage of it no definitely um Again, we've been drafting for a long time. Jenny's got going to Vegas for the mains, the super. Rob, you're going to New York for some mains. Those are the big ones. That's the ones you – if you have to pick one thing to win, those are probably them. So this last month now, all the work you've already put in, we'll start with you, Jenny. What's left? Like what's the the practicing? What's the studying? Like what part of it to, for like people out there that haven't started even drafting yet and they're just kind of soaking in rankings and everything else? You guys have done a lot of work already. So what's left? Yeah, for me, um, I did something different this year. Every year for the past several, I've attempted to look into every player. I try to go down the list of, you know, first, second, third, you know, all the way through the pitchers and try to at least get a short look at every player. 
And I didn't do that this year. And I think it's going to be good. I think that I've built myself up to a place where I have sort of this mental database of what these players can do. And I don't feel like I need that as much. So I've been able to spend more time actually drafting and getting a feel for the player pool that way. And, you know, if I see somebody going where I wouldn't have expected them to go, then that's an opportunity to go look at them further. But I don't necessarily need to do it for every single player. And I am spending more time trying to keep up with the news. And I'm going to try and keep up with lineups as much as possible and try and look at multiple resources for lineup, you know, opinions and try and just stay on top of the current events as much as I can. Yeah, that's a good one right now because uh, I've said it for a while. Last year we had no news. And that made things very difficult. Like, there's already a bunch of news this year we never saw mm-hmm. last year. So, just li- every little thing you can gain is going to be huge. Spring training games are going to be huge. Like, is Alberto Montesi going to hit the top? Or is mm-hmm. Andrew Batani? Like, those are just little things that are going to go a long ways. Um, Rob, what are you doing this last month? What's kind of your last prep? Yeah, I think what Jenny said is, you know, the best is like, this is the time for the news. And which is why, you know, I think we put ourselves in good spots by, you know, starting early drafts, right. And, and getting these frame of references. Um, and it, it like, it spurs your player evaluation. And right now, if you're trying to do both is where it gets, you know, like really overwhelming. So, mm-hmm. which is why it's really important to try to, you know, get your head into the forecaster, like in, in December, like even if it's just a couple of pages here and there and, you know, reading anything you can online, listening to podcasts, like early is, 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 is okay. Like start making notes, start, start a Google doc nice and early of, um, you know, players that you're noticing, like are, are, are popping off to you and then check, check the projection once they come out, like all these things. Um, So, cause now you can just say, Okay, let me just look at beat beat writers, right? Let me look at guys doing calisthenics on, you know. <laughs> but like you can focus on that instead of now because maybe some guy pops off in spring training and and you're just getting into your play evaluation and now you're comparing him to like nobody. You're just like saying, Oh, this guy's hot, but then you don't know the context of the team and everything else that's going on. So I feel like that's super important to just at this point of right now to just be confident in where you are with player evaluations and draft strategy. And then so now you can just dive into the news because um, you know, there's a lot of things to die into. And also with the news too, I think it's just, it's, it's just, you know, you have to be careful, you know, because mm-hmm. the news isn't always, uh, you know, prophecy either, you know? So it's like, it's mining the news, but it's also mining the bullshit within yes. the news, like the, you know, the coach speak and, and, and all that. So, you know, just, it's, uh, I'd rather be at that point right now where I can just focus more on that. And it's, yeah, it's right now it's, um, I'm 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 winding up on on a cut line draft and the last five rounds of a DC and then I think I'm gonna do like one more listener league and then that's it I'm just gonna take off until those mains come. I believe that when I see it. I think um, there's still time too for people who are just starting to get in a slow draft. I mean I think that a slow draft is a great way to prep because you have time to look at your options. You know you don't have to make that split second decision. So if you can still get in a slow draft it's not a bad idea because it, it get, lets you kind of prep on the fly. Yeah. No, Jenny, no, no, no. I think you talked me into a best ball draft. Just, yeah. Let's just, Did I? Yeah, let's go hey, you want to take one of mine? Cause I got a bunch to fill. So. Yeah. Will you buy yeah, a nine pack? pack. Yeah, I'm on a nine pack and I've only drafted Jeez. four of them. So yeah. I'm supposed Ooh. to be drafting one as we speak, but it didn't fill. So 
Uh, yeah, Rob, maybe, Rob maybe you should take one of mine. Rob will be signing up after this. Oh yeah, uh, I mean I'll help fill the room, but I'd rather you know I'd rather just draft with you again. Like that, that was all. Oh, there we go. That's sweet. Um, now that was sweet, but now I want to hear some 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 dirt here. So we're gonna have some fun, Jenny. Yes, you're you're in the Glarf League, like you mentioned, and uh, our our buddy Dave McDonald did a nice tweet thread of all the people in it and all this stuff today. So that was really cool. Now let's have some fun, Jenny. Who's the one person you have to beat in that league? Well, it's got to be Dave, right? <laughs> it has to be. You know, you need. Uh, I need to. I need to. I, it's so funny. If, you if know, you, I, if you guys let Dave win that league, I'm gonna have to leave. I know. Let's just put I know. <laughs> Although he's taken, he's taken on the job of commissioner, and anybody who wants to do that gets a tip of the hat from me because I hate yep. being the commissioner. Yep. So you know, but you know, you, you have to. It's all in good fun, but you know, that's yeah. who you want to beat. Yeah, I'm with you. Hey, Rob, you're in the turf league. Who's the one person you have to beat in that league? Oh, man. You know what? He's too uh, nice. I am too nice. But, so he's, but he's not. That's, I know it's in there. I know <laughs> gonna, it's in there. I know it is, too. I got I, I to beat Matt. I got to beat Matty Williams. Um, <laughs> and and I got to beat – um. The, and this is the fun one because we'll have, like, a fun little bet. It, is uh is Mendelssohn my boy Mendelssohn? Yeah, Mendy's good. Yeah, that'd because, be a fun one. Yeah, because I know he can handle some good old like he's like me. Like, we'll do like um gentleman trash talk, yeah. you know, and uh, have fun with it. So uh, yeah, yeah, so those are the two guys I want to beat. That'd be a good one. No, but I want to beat everybody too. There you <laughs> go. Um, <laughs> if you had to choose, Jenny, would you rather win your main event or finish top ten in the overall? I think it has to be top ten in the overall. I mean, the the you'd you probably win your main event if you're 10. in the top ten. Yeah, but Although, you know, I've seen I, warrior things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I was in. I finished, I think, seventy fourth in the main event this year, and I was out of the money in my league. I finished fourth in my league, yeah. so you know it happens. But um, you know, I think the top ten for me personally. I have, you know, I think I'm maybe I'm past this now a little bit, but in the past I've wanted to get a little bit of credibility. And, you know, I, I, I remember going in 2019 to the main event. It was not the Saturday morning one, but it was a Thursday one in Vegas. And I sat down and um, I introduced myself to John Pausma, who at the time was the defending main event champion. And, you know, he didn't know who I was, of course. And I said, you know, introduced myself and he said, is this your first main event? And I said, no, I've been doing this for a few years. And then I see him on his laptop over there. And then two minutes later, he goes, oh, you did do pretty well last year. And I think that, you know, somehow that helps me get some credibility in the room. You know, people just look straight at that overall. And if you can get a good overall finish, it gives you some, you know, some street cred. It's true because there's still a lot of people that – Give me a hard time because I don't do a lot of NFBC. So they think I don't know fantasy baseball. So it's it's fun. It's a fun conversation to yeah. be had. But I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, Rob, who's the next like top guest you want on your show? Oh, um not that you have signed up, not that you have signed up already. Who is like the one like the unicorn? Oh, um the unicorn is is because we haven't talked about it yet, but I'm definitely gonna do it is um actually no because they it doesn't count because you I already have to, them you already have them set, scheduled, don't you? I wanted to have a fi- a Phil Toby, you know, um Ooh. a Phil Toby pod just because how I much wanted, time do you have? Oh we have time. Oh, we have time. I just um I talked to them separately about it, but we haven't hammered it out. So that might have to be oh. a thing. Um yeah, I really wanna do that. 
Um, I know Zach did one, but that was like at the end of the year. So I want to do it like at the beginning um, of the year. And um, well, your unicorn had to be the HQ guys, right? I mean, that was yeah. like yeah, just that, over I, the top. That was I, crazy. I could hear you through the microphone. Like a, yes. Like <laughs> it was like the first day of school and you got your favorite teacher. Like you were just like, like you write taking notes the whole time. Yep. <laughs> Which I'm not making fun of you for. Right? You could hear yeah. it. Yeah. But I actually have um Posma on the list um to ask because um it's funny because um you know he he I never seen him post anything on Twitter and he's never on. And then one day he popped on and he commented it, you know, about how, like how much he loved the podcast. And I was like, super like taking over. I'm like, wow. It's like, you know, he, he took his one tweet of the month to like, you know, tweet to me. So I felt like pretty cool. I was like, wow, this is, you know, I felt, I felt like pretty cool that happened. So I reached out to him. You win uh, one overall championship. Yeah. That's all what you, happens. That's all you got to do. You, then you could be a big bag of shit after that. But no, <laughs> definitely not trying to do that. But no, like, I think we mentioned before, right? I'm like, I'm like a rose. I came out like a Rosarena. And yeah, um, you, you went, yes, you were a wrecking ball. Um, <laughs> Jenny, for the Reds, who finishes the season as a red, um, Gray or Castillo? Wow. I hope both. I mean, I don't, I, I, I don't feel like they're gonna make any more trades. I don't think so. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm frustrated with what they've done, but I'm also, you know, they didn't. It started to feel like it was gonna get real bad, and then you know they just kind of got rid of some bullpen pieces and then stopped. So maybe it'll be okay. I mean, I think there's still a lot of promise this year, and if they're contending, I don't expect them to get rid of either one. I I love having both of them. I felt uh, I felt bad for you and like Clay Link and Jeff Erickson, all you Red fans, because I was actually rooting for everything they did last year. I'm like, they're competitive. Like this is a good team. Like, what are you guys doing? Why are we doing this? This makes no sense. One sixty game season and then just not try already. I mean, yeah, that was horrible. The window, and especially because the way that the playoffs went last year was so heartbreaking. I mean, to go two games and not score a run in extra extra inning games, it was just so painful. (laughs) The Reds have a very big, you know, track record of getting to the playoffs and then losing in the playoffs in like the most painful possible way. I wasn't going to bring it up. So I, Oh God, I was at, (laughs) I was at one of, you know, they two Oh coming home. I went, I drove down to Cincinnati to go to game four, I believe. And sit down in my seat and just immediate home run right over the wall, right by where I was. And I think it was a multi-run home run. I can't remember, but it was just heartbreaking. And then, you know, I'll forever be scarred by Johnny Cueto getting taunted by the Pittsburgh fans. That was so brutal. I mean, well, one game, one game playoff is just, it's cruel. Those are tough in a game like baseball. Um, Rob, what is the realistic, not your fanboy expectation for the Mets this year? Um, 90 wins. Okay. How far do they go in the playoffs? Um, <sighs> non-fanboy, I, I would say realistic. I'll, I'll take, I'll take 90 wins and, and one playoff round win. Like the, do- the Dodgers are still the Dodgers, unfortunately. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I feel like even if things go really well, they'll have to make some in-season moves to be on that level. Unless, like, like the ultimate, you know, uh, coming together is Thor comes back and he's, you know, um, really good, you know, because that, that's just like picking up a mid, 
a midseason trade for yeah. a top-notch pitcher. Um, but, um, you know, yeah, you, I'll be realistic. I say 90 wins. Um, I'll take that as a fan. Um, we're in the playoffs, and then we go with our staff, and we try to make a run. All right. We had a listener's question from Simon P., and this is for Jenny. He would love to take the Reds insider on the closers battle. Like, what's your take on the closers battle between um, mm. Sims and um, oh God, Garrett? Yes, Mir Garrett. Who is honestly, I've always said closers got to be cuckoo in the head. If you want to take on a whole dugout, that that classifies cuckoo in the head. So I respect the hell out of him. Mm-hmm. But uh, how do you see that one playing out for like a fantasy standpoint? Who knows? I mean, I I was <laughs> listening to Greg Jewett today um, yeah. on Cork yes. Stats, I believe. And he was talking and he brought something up that I, I remember thinking about last year and I hadn't thought about it this year about, uh, yeah, the pitching coach, Derek Johnson, yeah. how he was in Milwaukee when they were screwing with Hader. Yep. And I think last year it probably didn't come up because Iglesias was so hell-bent on being the closer and was going to pitch a fit if he wasn't. That's what happened, so, right? you know, yeah. I think they're in a position this year where they have multiple guys and they're going to use multiple guys. And as a fan, I'm totally fine with that. I'm, you know, that's what you should, that's what nice a smart team should be doing. Yeah. yeah. So I'm cool with it. I'm just probably not going to draft them. I mean, there's that late part where you're all, where all that's left are guys that are part-time closers and that's fine. Um, if I had to choose one, I'd choose Garrett just because at this point he seems like the best chance for saves, but I'm not putting in much hope for any of them becoming the full-time closer. Yeah. I could see a lot of, um, you know, situational things going on with those two. And um, they're not very expensive, especially Sims. He's going late. But I do love Garrett on Twitter, just like talking mm-hmm. trash basically about being the closer and stuff. It, it's fun fun banter there. Um, another question from Simon. Uh, Stevenson, do you think he gets enough playing time this year to be viable? I mean, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a prospects person for starters, so I can't give you a ton about his particular skills. But I can tell you that he is a rarity in terms of, you know, uh, um, I believe righty catcher and you know there aren't a lot of them that come out and are do something great so I hope he does but I also I've always been a Tucker Barnhart defender you know I think that he for the Reds brings a lot of good qualities so I mean I think they could share time I'm not going to draft Stevenson just because I'm not going to draft a part-time closer who we don't even know yet if he's good I mean, at at the major league level. So I'm just, I just don't draft that way. I'm not somebody who takes my closers in the last rounds. I mean, my catchers. So, you know, it's not for me, but I, I hope, I hope he's great. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then lastly, give us one fantasy sleeper, one fantasy bust from the Reds. Um, I would have said Shogo, but I'm not going to anymore. Um, I, I, I like Jesse Winker. I think I think he has a good chance to break out and, and really take control of, of one of the outfield positions. So I, I would like to see him be able to do that. And what was an overdrafted person, a bust? A bust, yeah. It could – I don't know. I don't feel like they're – who's getting drafted too high? It's basically Castillo, point. Suarez, and Gray are like the only high picks, but they're not that high. Well, Castillo yeah, I like guess, Suarez but... where he's going, and I like Castillo where he's going. So it's hard to pick a bus that's going late, you know? I mean, you could say Garrett because I don't think that he's yeah. going to be the full-time closer, but I don't have a great answer for that one. Well, I, mean, I, have, a, I have a fun one for you. Who mm-hmm. has a better fantasy season, Joey Votto or Miguel Cabrera? Oh, probably Miggy. 
I love like Joey Votto likes to talk a lot about what he's going to do <laughs> and then does. may or may not do it. So I, I hope so, but I, I, I think he's a good. I think he's a good pick where he's going in drafts right now, and I like both of them. But um, you know, I mean, now I'm starting to think maybe Votto because he actually has a position. But I'm assuming that Miggy might, you know, will get first base eligibility. I don't actually know the theory on that, but um, I'm gonna switch. I'm gonna say Votto because of first base. All right, Rob, you had um, a list in front of you. You wanted to talk about the floor is yours. The floor is yours. I listened to our the episode you had me on your podcast on New Year's Eve, and we talked about uh, New Year's resolutions that we would do uh, for fantasy. So it's interesting. I wanted to know how you were doing on this list. So I don't even remember what all, they all yeah. were. So now I'm scared. So your first one was you know being on famine. Uh, you know Andrew McCutcheon because you love good. At that point when we were listening, when I was listening, they were at like one ten and two twenty ADP when we did it. So. Um, how are you doing on that? Are you I, have a, them? I have a little fam. I have a ton of Andrew McCutcheon. Okay, I, I knew that. I knew. Yeah. I knew you wouldn't. I knew you wouldn't stray from yeah. uh, that. You you had yeah. um um an obligation to not overdraft Gausman. I have zero shares of Kevin Gausman. Bam, two for two. Um, mm-hmm. the other one was Passover, Teoscar, Felordis, Guriel every time. I have neither one of them because Guriel went up. Like after we talked, they're he did. They're almost the same, or he might be going above Teoscar in certain drafts. So I have zero of either one. Okay, all right. But all I'm right. still a believer that Guriel has a better year than Teoscar. Okay, all right. Um, the fourth one was you uh, smashing Goldie and Rizzo every chance you could where they where they were. I would. I have none of them, but I would. Oh, I, I, man. I, I, you need to I've get been, in on that. Those are some good ones. Well, what I've been waiting for is I somehow miss them, and I get uh, Josh Bell and Reese Hoskins everywhere like five Got years it. later. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's, it's not a purposeful thing because I just I think those two are going to just ridiculous prices right now. It's, it's yeah. stupid. So, I, yeah. Well, I'm talking I, about Goldschmidt and Rizzo. They're going at horrible prices for their talent level. Yeah. Right, 100%. And I love where Hoskins is going. I totally agree with that. Um, your fifth one was that you said you would make it, you know, make make sure you get as much as um, Cole, Giolito, and Castillo. Like, you wanted to walk away from your draft with one of those guys um, in, in every draft. Top of my head, I'm pretty sure I have at least one of them in every draft. If not, I've double-dipped. I'm pretty sure I've gotten at least one of them in every draft, yeah. Cool. For yeah, sure. and you mentioned that too, like possibly doing a full house when you had the opportunity yes. when it when it aligned perfectly. You said so. that'd be phenomenal. Yeah. All right, so you're doing pretty good. You're doing pretty so good. far so good. We'll oh. see. We'll see. It's uh, the, the 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 quote unquote real you're drafting. Do, starts you're doing soon. better than me because I I I said I was going to be bold and try a mom to see build, and I haven't done that. Oh, I, well, there's still I time, said, Rob. There's still time. And got uh, that main I, event coming. <laughs> in on yeah. that. Phil wouldn't care. Yeah, they'll be they'll be like this. They'll be like um. You know what kind of pick was that? It was on my resolution list, all right? And I had, yeah, I I had, had to, to do it. I had I to had fulfill to it. it. <laughs> um, one, another one too was a try. You know, try of Laddie build, and I still haven't done that one either. So um, the no police act though is infirm. That's infirm check. Um, get get Kyle Tucker's. Yeah, that's pretty good too. And the other one was get all the Giolitos, and that's a hundred percent true. So. Um, yeah, but, you you've gotten me on Giolito before. I'm not happy about that. But you've yeah. become like the Giolito guy, I think. Yeah, I, yeah. Giolito's. I've 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 already said he'll be in that top three conversation. Hundred percent. I have him as SP three. Yep. Yeah, he's he's up there next year. Uh, Jenny, since we basically um, talked about who we're in love with, what are some of your like main targets early in drafts? 
Well, interestingly, we ended up in the tag team draft getting both of our guys because I was on Nola and he's on mm-hmm. Giolito. So nice. we were able to get both of them, which was nice. We didn't have to argue over which one to take. But um, let's see. Who else do I have a lot of? I like getting Goldschmidt a lot. Um, I have a lot of Presley. Um, I have a lot of Gene Segura. Yes. I like that. I like Segura yes. a lot. I have. He um, fell to a great spot for us in that draft. Yeah, for January. sure. Like, we were—he was one of those guys. We were like, "Come on, baby, come on, come on!" Like, <laughs> you know, like, and he, it was perfect. Yeah, I have a lot of like Stephen Piscotty. I like those like Conha Piscotty yeah. type, you know, outfielders. I get a lot of those guys, and um, that's all I can think of. Okay. Well, I could sit and chat with you guys all night, but it's getting late, especially for you two. Um, so. I'm gonna wrap up. Yeah, I'm gonna wrap it up here. (laughs) But um, I'm having I'm having a blast chatting it up, and we'll we'll do it again sometime. But before we leave, Jenny, let everybody know where they can find you on Twitter and uh, whatever good stuff you want to spill out there. Yeah, um, on Twitter, I am Jenny Butler eight three zero. It's my birthday. And uh, <laughs> just because I had to figure out something, I used to have a, a strange Twitter handle that you, that was not identifiable, and I had to change it because he, I named it after my cat just because I was first getting on Twitter many years ago, and then I realized that I needed to get off of that because my cat's name was Lucy, and people started calling me Lucy, so I had to get out of that. So it's just Jenny Butler eight three zero. Come talk to me there. That's pretty much the best way to find me. What about you, Rob? Plug away. At Twitter um, at Deadpool Hitter. I also have a, a, a page of the pod at Pull Hitter Pod uh, website, pullhitter.com. Yeah, you know, trying to get out some, some episodes with a whole range of guests. Um, a lot of people, you know, have, have mentioned to me that it seems to have like a niche show, but I've been doing a ton of different things. Um, and Bubba, you know, I just want to say something you mentioned earlier in the show um, about, you know, playing in NFBC or playing in a regular league. I think it's a great competition in NFBC, 100%, but it, it, I also feel like there's, it doesn't mean if you don't play in that, that you're not good. Like, 100%. Like, there's 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 great players everywhere in the world, um, and some of them don't play NFBC. Some, like, we're really good at, you know, winning your home league or whatever, you know. Um, so, yeah, I'm with you with that. I I, I think that's that's like a garbage uh, – that's a garbage thing. But um, thank you for having me, Bubba, and me and Jenny. It was cool to talk about the uh, the tag team draft. And it's always, always – I'm always grateful to come on the show. Um, I, I think I always tell you that every time we talk that uh, you really help me through this industry a, a ton, and um, I'm always grateful for that. No problem at all. I'm looking forward to having you guys both on after you win the tag team because yeah. uh, then, yeah. then, then I'll start throwing some haymakers. It'll be fun. But uh, <laughs> until then, everybody, this was Bench with Bubba, episode 346. Rob, can you take us away? Don't be a bag of shit. See you later. <laughs>